0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Paradox. It is Paradox. I'm Jimmy. And I am Josh.
2: We're glad that you're with us. Seriously, we're really glad that you're with us.
1: My son has a 1033. My son, your grandson,
2: has 103. Hundred
1: three three fever, isn't that terrible?
2: Why are you just now telling me this? You didn't know. I'm a doctor.
1: <laughs> this isn't funny. Oh, sorry. Because uh, when and everybody, every parent out there knows when your child is sick, he's not sleeping, and if he's <laughs> not sleeping, you're not sleeping. Ain't nobody. Ugh, I felt so bad for the guy. I walk in like one thirty last night, and I. He wasn't sleeping. I kind of heard him talking on and off. He wasn't getting really restful sleep. And so I walk in and check on him. He immediately, you know, bounces to his feet and I feel him and he's just so hot. Uh, And so I give him some ibuprofen uh, and just rock him for an hour or so. Poor guy. You know, your mom says that to me
2: a lot. He's so hot.
1: And then she just rocks you, gives you some (laughs) medicine and rocks you.
2: (laughs) Yes, that's what happens. That's Um, weird. We do want to thank you for joining us. Um, I saw a a cartoon the other day and it said, um, I feel like everyone's podcasting and no one's pod listening. (laughs) So that you're here listening, we really do appreciate it. Today we're going to talk about something that's going to impact really just you personally, as well as how you interact with your kids, how you interact with your spouse, um, as well as... How you interact with God. Uh, it was made famous by uh, Stuart Smalley. Yes, and Yeah, back in the day. Now, the senator from Minnesota you know. or whatever his name, Al Franken, um, when he would talk about stinking thinking, something was stinking thinking. And so that's actually what we're going to discuss today how cognitive distortions, I like to use instead of stinking thinking, I like cognitive distortions because it makes me sound like. I have a modicum of education. Instead of saying think anytime you want to impress somebody, always say cognitive instead of thinking.
1: Which is exaggerating.
2: Yeah, it would be. This is cognitive distortions are. Well, for example, we're going to give you a list of them today or yeah, we're going to cover several. We're going to have the whole list put up on our show notes uh, at um, what's our website? I'm going to wait on you. It's, uh, oh, paradoxpodcast.com. Nice. Yeah. Last time me. you didn't get it. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll have the whole list there. You can look at it, but we're going to give you several examples of how our brains, uh, sometimes distort reality. Mine is one of them is called filtering and I am, oh my gosh, am I guilty of this one? This is where you let only the negative things through and you filter out anything that is positive. Uh, I taught a class in Virginia, and it was a a master's-level class. It was on counseling adolescents, and uh, there were 28 people in the class. When it was over with, the evaluations came in, and I read through them, and 27 of the students said, ah, best teacher we ever had. Oh, he's so funny. I wish I had him for the classes. And one lady said, I wish we would have had a real teacher. He just read from the textbook. (laughs) Well, it was like those 27 did not exist to me. I've just fixated on this one lady. Uh, And she she could have spilt coffee on herself that more. I don't. But all I thought, but I did, even in the midst of it, I went, oh, my gosh, I'm filtering. That's what I'm doing. I'm only focusing on the negative, discounting the vast majority of the positive. So that's one of those that I succumb to. But when we talk about these cognitive distortions, Impacting the way we think about God. Another cognitive distortion is called feelings are not facts. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true. And often, if I'm feeling something, we just accept it as being factual. Uh, and mine with God is I feel a million miles away from God, or I feel that God's a million miles away. Well, I get it that I can feel that way, but just because I feel that way doesn't make it true. So those are two off the list uh, that I really struggle with.
1: Yeah, and for me, um, with my marriage, I, I blame, and Katie, she's listening to this, she's surprised by that, you know? I just blame her all the time. We actually, uh, we did a, a group, a marriage counseling group a few um, months back with our church, and it's a, it was a 20-week commitment, and I remember very clearly on week 13 or 14, it dawning on me that I was difficult to live with. Took you that long? (laughs) Yes. Well, it took me seven years of marriage and then 14 weeks in a, uh, a counseling uh, group, marriage counseling group to actually think that way. and, And for that to dawn on me this whole time, I kind of assumed I was pretty easy to live with. You know, I pick up after myself. I'm generally pretty loving and, the fact that you know if we had any which we do struggles at all well, it's probably Katie's fault you know she's she's obviously <laughs> she's a little bit more difficult to live with than me that's blaming mm-hmm. uh that's completely false mm-hmm. um I'm a terrible person to live with very selfish mm-hmm. and Catherine, forgive me for all my failures mm-hmm. blaming <laughs> uh so yeah that's that's one that I do is blaming Another one that I do, and I think you actually mentioned filtering with with God. Mm-hmm. I think that's an easy one to do, uh filtering out all the positive and only looking at the negative. Yes. Um, I traditionally think of God as a as a football coach, someone that ultimately, once I'm in heaven, has my best interest in mind, um, but he's gonna make my life hell, mm-hmm. um make me run wind sprints and make me run hills for my quote unquote betterment, yeah, but ultimately. He is a miserable son of a gun mm-hmm. that I don't like very much.
2: Yeah. Uh, and also filtering. We do that scripturally. You know, especially if you grew up in a really legalistic kind of a, of an upbringing spiritually, then all we focus on in scripture are the thou shall not and the thou shalt burn uh, scripture passages. We don't focus on. Hey, Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, we blow past those and get right to the thou shalt not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we filter.
1: And the problem with stinking thinking with cognitive distortions is that they ultimately move you away from relationship. They make you kind of go inward and be very kind of self-centered um, and self-insecure, um, and they bring you away from relationships ultimately. You know, my my blaming of my wife, assuming that she had more problems in the relationship than I did, ultimately was a block for our relationship. Me filtering out positives and blessings from God and only focusing on the negative pulled me away. And ultimately, if I'm pulled away from relationship, pathology breeds in isolation, Negative thoughts, negative behaviors, negative ways of doing life, they breed in isolation. And so cognitive distortions, if you trace back most negative things in your life, it's going to really begin with this idea of cognitive distortions.
2: I have, I'm uh, acrophobic, Um, where you would get acrobat. I said that to a kid once, and I said, I'm acrophobic. And I said, that's where they get the word acrobat? You're afraid of acrobats? No, you little... It's clowns. Clowns are what I'm afraid of. But I have this intense fear of heights. To the point, when I go over the 183 flyover um, in Austin, uh, it's very high. I have to stare at the hood of the car. Uh, I would... I didn't know that. Oh, my Lord. I would wet myself if I looked to either side while I'm going over that.
1: You were a sissy.
2: When I am in a movie theater and my... But is a foot off of my hiney is a foot off the floor. And if someone's dangling off a bridge, I'm pushing back in my chair. My brain is telling me that somehow I am in danger. So it's extremely healthy of us to come to the realization and embrace the fact that sometimes our brains lie to us. Us and our brains, we and our brains are not the same thing. Sometimes our brains lie to us. They feed us false information. When I'm sitting in a movie and I am pushing back in my chair, I am responding to what my brain is telling me as though it's true, but it's not true. Um, so what this list of cognitive distortions, and again, you can, you can get the full list in our show notes, it's identifying 14 of the most prominent ways our brain lies to us. So it's like, okay, I get it. Sometimes my brain lies to me. But here is a list of exactly how my brain lies to me most often. And once we know that, it's, it's, um, do you even remember Fox way back in the day when magic tricks revealed there was a TV show, the Masked magician? No. Do you not remember that? Wow. You were like three. What's wrong? Exactly. But some of you do, and some of you can um, um, uh, YouTube it. But this guy with a, a mask on, because he couldn't reveal who he is, because he's showing how magic tricks are done, he would levitate a woman, get the hula hoop out, and go around, and it's like, oh, my gosh, she's floating. I've looked, I'm, I mean, I'm staring at it. There is no way this could have occurred. And then he shows you how it's done. And it's like, well, that's stupid. It's like once we know how a magic trick is done, we're not as easily susceptible to it. So the problem is our brain lies to us. The additional problem is oftentimes we respond, just talked to a young man today uh, who got physically violent with his girlfriend. And it's because his head told him something massive just happened. And the reality, it was about the size of a grapefruit. But he acted like something massive had occurred. So that's the problem, is if we always just accept what our brains tell us, sometimes you look up and go, wow, no wonder I did that or said that. Uh, it's it, it's so obvious, when we, again, when we get angry, is because when our adrenaline subsides, it's like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean that. You know, I didn't mean that. Uh, it's because... Our brains were not telling us the that's truth. That's
1: part of one of the, I guess, biggest problems of our culture nowadays. You know, the one thing that, that Scripture, and we've said this before on the show, but the one thing that Scripture, scripture tells us to deny is the one thing that, uh, that the society tells us to be true to, and that's ourselves. Yes. Um, you know, we are obsessed in my household with a four- and two-year-old with Disney movies. They're fantastic, great animation. The songs are always well done. But what is the consistent theme? It's a little bitty girl rebelling against t- traditionally the father figure because in her heart, she knows that she was meant to be a human, let's say, Ariel. Uh, Moana, the latest Disney film, um, you know, the idea that she's meant to be on the sea and she's going to rebel against her father. Oh my gosh,
2: I never realized the theme you've ruined my whole childhood. You're right. That's the theme of every movie.
1: But it's, 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 it's be true to yourself. Your family doesn't know what you're talking about. Follow your heart, follow your mind. And the thing about it is scripture is very clear. Your mind is, and your heart is, they're all part of the fall. Um, and they cannot be trusted. Uh, we have to, we have to go consistently back to scripture, um, as well as make decisions within Christian community to make sure we're thinking correctly. So um, one of the first or the first uh, cognitive distortion that I'll throw out is personalizing. Personalizing says this is the tendency to relate everything around you to yourself. For example, thinking that every uh, thing people, everything people do or say is some kind of reaction to you. I can remember being an adolescent, and this is going to be teens, teens, teens. Um, but a lot of adults do this as well, but I remember as an adolescent, you know, getting a blemish or something, and assuming that everywhere I walked,
2: everyone was staring at me. Remember the uh, Austin <laughs> Powers? "Oh, moly, 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 moly Yeah, <laughs> get past the giant mole. Yeah.
1: But the key to personalization is you're not that important. Even if you and when I public speak, I've been doing it now for 10 years, so I, not so much anymore. But I can remember being so concerned if I said something idiotic. Well, now they don't think I'm a, a professional. I don't know what I'm talking about. And those people no more cared about me, my <laughs> mistake. They would go eat lunch afterwards and yes. move on with their life.
2: I'm not that important. Yes, I had a mom in recently and she said, um, uh, that boy, uh, he missed curfew. That boy defied me. It was like. Oh, sweet lady. You were the last You, you were not in the top 100 things that kid was thinking about. Uh, but she made it all about his defiance of her.
1: The next is a fallacy of fairness. You feel resentful because you think you know what's fair. Uh, but other people won't agree with you. Fairness is so conveniently defined that each person gets locked into his, or his or her own point of view. Again, a lot of adults struggle with this, but man, when I, when I see that, I just have teens kind of uh, uh, glaring in my mind. This strong sense of justice, um, that was me as a teenager as well. You feel like you this is kind of the problem with this, this, this fallacy of fairness, is that your rule book does not apply across the board. There's gray in life it's not black and white it's not because you agree with something or disagree with something that that it's right and or wrong and as we grow and as we mature even if we're 45 and we're growing and maturing we've got to understand the gray that people are different that they think differently um and so we 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 can't succumb to this fallacy of of fairness the third i would say is catastrophizing these are your kind of anxious people these people go 0 to 90 you lose a job and you assume that you'll never be employed again. You fail a test in high school and you assume that, you know, your grades are going to be terrible the rest of your career and you're not going to get into college and your life is going to stink. Um, that is the idea of catastrophizing. The problem is that sometimes these big negative things
2: do happen. Yeah, that's right? That's the downside.
1: But there's a 99% chance That whatever awful thing you're thinking because of this one negative experience is not going to happen. I always tell people two things on catastrophizing. There's a 99% chance this is not going to happen. And even if it does, you're going to be okay. My worst case scenario would be my wife and children dying in a car wreck or plane wreck without me. That would be horrendous for me. I always say there's... What what
2: about your dad? (laughs)
1: There's three F's to resiliency, faith, family, and friendship. 99% chance that's not happening, but even if it does, I'm going to be okay. I'd surround myself with my faith community, my relationship with my God, and my family, as I well as be my- not
2: be here because I died in the crash too, but you didn't care. <laughs>
1: as well as my family and uh, friendships, and I would be okay.
2: The next three, I'm going to give you in kind of a, a box set, because they all kind of go together. And if you believe, I would ask, do you think you're a control freak? And you'd go, oh, no, 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 no. So let me ask you this way. Are you living with a control freak? If so, you're going to recognize them in these three. These three cognitive distortions work together to create what we all know and love as a control freak, someone who is compelled to correct and rebuke and have things exactly the way they want it and demand it. And if they don't get that, all Hades breaks loose. The first is what's called an internal locus of control. That means that I'm responsible, not just for me, I'm responsible for those people around me. For example, like children, we have an internal locus of control for kids because that's appropriate, that's normal and it's good. My job is not just to get me dressed in the morning, but make sure they've got their clothes on and the shoes on the right feet, Uh, that they don't have grape jelly down the front of them Um, that your teenage son has bathed within the last week. So it is our job to internally control and take responsibility for them. The problem is, is when this rears rears its head with people that are not our children, Maybe someone else's children, maybe your spouse. I had a client who said his wife yelled at him and said, hey, come to the back room. And so he left and went back there and she said, did you leave this closet light on? And he said, I don't know. She Well, how do you think it's going to get turned off? I guess I'll turn it off. And he turned it off. And went back to whatever else he was doing. And he said, the thing was, he's found, he said, I've found that closet light on a thousand times that she's left it on. But I don't think, oh, my gosh, this is a teachable moment for my wife. I don't assume that I need to teach her. That's the difference with this internal locus of control. Um, there, Real quick story. Yes.
1: Uh, I'm going to call you out, out Jack Carney, my father-in-law. <laughs> so apparently, early in their marriage, if a light was Kathleen left the light on, he would fall, <laughs> he would go into the room where the light is on, and uh, just call out her name, Kathleen, Kathleen, Kathleen. This this light's on. You must be in here, Kathleen.
2: <laughs> Internal locus of control. <laughs> So that's what this internal locus of control is about. I, it's my job. Just like it's my job to tell my child how to dress and what to do, now it's my job to tell my wife how to dress and what to do. I tell her when to speed up, when to slow down, where to park. It's my job. Um, you've been in cars with people who, you know, even though they're not driving, they're telling you how to drive. And it's like, Why do you feel compelled? You're not driving because that's an internal locus of control. Now, then the second cognitive distortion that goes along with this, that sort of makes up this cabal of control. A cabal. I'm I'm
1: not going to be impressed.
2: Or if you're Southern Baptist, the committee of control. The second one is uh, shooting on people. You heard me right. Shooting on people.
1: My son shit on me last night.
2: I don't give a shit. What you think, Josh? <laughs> do you think I give a shit? I can't do that anymore. Okay. Um, I actually used this in church once, and it was so funny to look at people's reaction. Shooting on somebody is when you were telling other, another person, you should do this, you should do that. Now, again, not we're not talking about our kids, because that's a, that's what we're supposed to do. But when I tell you that you should do this, now I'm not talking about some moral or ethical issue either. I have this, and you mentioned it earlier, I have this uh, list of rules in my head. And if you violate my rules, you're in trouble. I don't even acknowledge that you could have your own set of rules. Because again, we're not talking about adultery or violence. We're not talking about clear moral things. Uh, making a bed, taking out trash, things of this nature. But if you, I don't acknowledge you have your own rule book, and even if you did have a rule book, my rule book would trump yours because my rule book is the universal rule book. There are people that they would rather you blow up a bus of nuns than to not make your bed. And then other people go, why in the world would I make my bed? Uh, And I mean, there are people that, I mean, it's, it's like you're a bad person if you don't do that. That's this shooting on people that I'm taking a position of really moral authority. I had a guy not that long ago and I said, so how did your first marriage end? And he said, she refused to put the dishes away correctly. Now there were other things obviously, but that's the first thing that came to his head as a reason to divorce, is that she didn't put up dishes correctly. And then lastly, is it's called the fallacy of being right. And that is, everything pales in comparison to me having to be right. I'll lose a relationship, I will cause embarrassment, but bottom line, not only will I, I will be acknowledged as being right and you as being wrong. And one of the ways you can tell someone may have this fallacy of being right. I would like my wife to stop listening right now. (laughs) If you cannot say, hey, you know what? We're just going to have to agree to disagree. If you can say that and you "You know what? There's nothing else you're going to tell me. And again, we're talking about a non really important issue. There's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to change my mind. And I know there's nothing I'm going to tell you. So you know what? We're just going to have to agree to disagree and move on down the road. If you can move on down the road, you do not have the fallacy of being right. If you can't do that. And some of us know people who can't. They can't agree to disagree because I can't go on living until you acknowledge that I am right and then kneel and lick my foot. (laughs) With the shoe off so that's the that's the, the 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 thing that make these are three ways our brain lies to us if you're a control freak
1: yeah so total six we have fourteen that we'll put on our show notes. but if if this seems to connect with you, um, we will have uh, four other steps to kind of help you get out of stinking thinking um, on our show notes as well. So definitely check those out. And I'm telling Paradox you, if Podcast. you go there
2: and you print those the the list out, um, if you get upset, if you get angry, if you get sad or whatever, go look. I'm telling you, nine out of ten times you'll go, "Oh my gosh, I was catastrophizing," or feelings are not facts. So it can really be helpful to identify which one of these really impact you. And again, once you know that, then you're less likely to be fooled.
1: And if you want to follow us on either Jimmy or myself individually on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, as well as the show on those three platforms, you can find those at ParadoxPodcast.com as well. Guys, we appreciate you joining Love us today, it. and we hope you have, have a, good a great rest day. of your day.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers, Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. By far the most important thing for women that women need to know is that men look super confident they look super like i think
2: i'm all that and they're not and oh, see i disagree cuz i'm i'm all that <laughs> you're all that and, right oh, yeah. not Absolutely. you of course <laughs>